This podcast discusses some sensitive topics. This podcast has some swearing in it. Wednesday of visibility uh, recently passing. It's, you know, intended to be a day to raise awareness for trans people and, you know, the issues the community faces. But it, it can be a bit of an interesting day for people. It's, you know, some people find joy in the day and um, in, you know, signaling that trans people exist. We're out here and, um, you know, putting out those affirming vibes. And for some people, the idea of visibility itself is, um, you know, can be dangerous if it doesn't come with any feasible support. Uh, I wanted to pose the question, what does it really mean to be visible? And uh, I guess that's the general question. But uh, what we've done here is did a call out on social media and I've reached out to some trans community members directly. Everyone submits a question or two and then uh, more people come in to answer those questions, uh, people within the community who identify as trans or gender diverse, or if they had the time, just uh, reply to other people's questions. Myself being a gender and, you know, asking people to do this to begin with, also jumped in and answered these questions. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this. Um, I guess we'll call it what it means to be visible. Thank you so much to everyone that got involved with this. As Hannah pronouns they, she. Bailey, pronouns they, them, uh, Elijah, he, him, Marcy, uh, they, she. So yeah, thanks to everyone so much. You're a doomerang. My name is Elijah Money. I am a queer Wiradjuri brother boy residing on the Eastern Kulin Nations. My name is Hannah Yael Dai Bakan. I'm a 29-year-old Jewish trans woman who is also non-binary. My pronouns are she and they. I'm sorry, I can't be her. Is visibility in any facet something important to you? Well, yes, it is a very important thing for people to be very, very much visible, um, especially people who aren't normally visible or who have been marginalised in 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 a in a lot in various ways um like i've seen a lot of a lot of policies uh like government policies a lot of government initiatives for instance that tend to either leave out um trans and gender diverse individuals like myself out of the picture or were seen as something that shouldn't really exist to begin with and that's not a very good thing at all this also extends to quite a few in, in industries, like uh, in, in the creative arts, for instance, and it's something that I do want to see a lot more in the future. I do want to see more trans and gender diverse people working on a lot of creative works in a lot of industries, and it's something that I do want to see a lot more in the, in the future. Like, I want to see trans and gender diverse people being a lot more visible and why shouldn't we why why shouldn't we be seen there's no reason why there's no valid reason why we shouldn't be seen we are visible and we are valid is visibility in any facet something important to you this is a bit of an interesting question by itself visibility is just exposure and in our current society, that just means violence. That means discrimination. That means just about nothing except a lack of safety. And so by itself, 
it does mean something important to me in that it means a threat. A threat to the safety of myself and the people that I love. Visibility is essential to people prospering. Um, there's that classic phrase of you can't become what you can't see, um, which, you know, in a lot of ways is very true and very valid. But I also think that is the bar so low that the only thing trans people can expect is to be potentially recognised by some corporations for a single day. I just don't think that that is good enough, personally. Is visibility in any facet something important to you? I guess in some facets it is important to me, making sure that people can be visible if they choose to, and, you know, understanding the power in that. I'll always, like, prioritise my general safety over being visible, um, you know, when it really comes to it. I mean, I have the privilege of being visible, but also being relatively cis-passing. It can be quite dysphoric. With visibility comes this idea that that doesn't have to be the standard forever. Um, and visibility comes in understanding those ideas as well. So that's probably where it is most important to me. So this is answering the question, is visibility in any facet important to you? Um, yes, it is. It's also incredibly fraught for me because I'm someone who's really private and I like to kind of have a control on the way people see me or perceive me. Um, I like to only come out to very select people so when people see me they do presume a gender and I don't really correct them but I do like to present in a way that feels true to how I feel. Um, I guess the issue is when that is the case and I'm someone who's non-binary and someone who feels quite gender fluid um, or even agender sometimes it's really tricky to sort of dress in a way that is affirming without getting people making comments or turning their heads and making me even more self-conscious and nervous. Um, luckily I've never felt incredibly afraid but I have felt intimidated and I think that what kind of used to exhaust me a lot, I'm not really sure where I'm at with it now, but was this idea of never truly feeling like I can pass because I'm not transitioning to a binary gender and even then, you know, I might not pass all the time or I might never pass, but there is a little more safety in that for some trans people because they can reach that point where they pass pretty much all of the time. Whereas <laughs> the idea of passing as non-binary is, um, yeah, a very difficult um, concept because a lot of people don't even believe in it or know what it is. And so they just see someone who is gender non-conforming. Um, and so I, I can never really feel affirmed in non-queer spaces and I can never really feel completely comfortable in myself in non-queer spaces unless I find a way to stop caring about what literally everybody thinks which 
is just a defense mechanism. That's not a real thing. Like we all care a little bit about what someone thinks. Not every person, like there are people who I don't care about, but you know, I'll always care about certain people's opinions of me and that can be a really hard thing to reconcile with how to come out, when to come out, how to address it. Um, and then that kind of ongoing thing where you often have to correct people who are not really around the scene or who don't know the language or who are just choosing to be ignorant and that's tough. So it's like, I guess I just always feel like I'll be tired if I'm ultra visible. <laughs> and unfortunately I'm an introvert, so that's, that's kind of going to happen. But I do see visibility as incredibly important to showing other young trans and gender diverse people that they can have a very happy, healthy life. Um, my first one was, what does the idea of bravery when it comes to visibility mean to you? So I bring this up because obviously being visible as a gender diverse or trans person is really brave. Um, but obviously the concept of bravery is often used by cis people or well-meaning allies to kind of tell you, oh, you're so brave, that's so amazing that you did that. And it's just like that classic, I'm just trying to live my life. Um, I shouldn't have to be brave. I should be able to just grow up and dress the way I want, present the way I want, be addressed how I would like to be addressed. Um, so for me, I think I just wanted to point that out that, um, I've really struggled with being brave and being visibly trans. I'm incredibly happy to do it over, you know, the radio or a podcast, but for some reason <laughs> my face, it, you know, it all makes me feel more vulnerable when I'm there as a, you know, a physical being, um, and so, you know, I just kind of sometimes resent having to be brave. So that's that. I just wanted to hear other people's opinions on that because I think it's really valuable to talk about that concept of obviously bravery kind of can be very empowering and can you, can make you feel exactly that way that those cis people describe um but in your own sort of more dignified way or it can you know be sort of tokenizing and yeah I just hope that we can kind of grow to have a better relationship with that idea that label what does the idea of bravery when it comes to visibility mean to you um I'm personally fucking sick of being told that I'm brave. Especially when it comes down to a situation where there's reactionaries, TERFs or fascists in our spaces, in our communities that are actively advocating for the eradication of people who live like me. Bravery means a willingness to do something to improve the conditions of our lives materially. And the lack of bravery of other people to take risks to help ensure the safety of ourselves and our communities is more of an act of betrayal than the bravery of any particular individual or group who is trying to do something about it. What does it mean to be brave? Does just wanting to exist, I guess, is brave in a, in a culture that doesn't want you to. So there is that, but uh, you know, <laughs> 
it can be demeaning to to call any marginalized person brave for just for just being people shouldn't expect trans people to you know become brave <laughs> to be themselves what does the idea of bravery when it comes to visibility mean to you this can mean various various things depending on, on the person really for myself for instance an idea of like being brave is being able to walk out of the door wearing a dress and makeup in public being very visibly like trans and gender diverse not really trying to pass as anything other than that and i i will i will say that it is quite difficult at times particularly um in certain certain days certain parts of the day in terms of safety and, and all that for me but i have only very recently been able to feel like brave in terms of just being able to wear a dress in public being able to like publicly host events wearing uh outfits that people might raise eyebrows at who 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 may hold by like uh bigotry against trans and gender diverse people like very like internalized transphobia just being able to be just being able to like publicly show that support is not is another way in terms of other forms of bravery it can be something like um posting about why trans gender diverse people are like why they're valid you know the document about history being able to be very transparent and holding people accountable that's another idea of, of being brave um and it's this is this is this is something that i feel shouldn't just be the burden of myself for instance or um the the, the queer community but like allies where appropriate should also be able to show support as well and making sure that they're able to just not leave us alone to bear with this this the multiple uh messes that are currently incurring in in terms of the here and now in taking out the stigma taking out the transphobia in today's society in today's systems and hopefully in the future society will be a bit less transphobic and we can be a bit we can be even more visible than now and we can be safe in doing so my other question what are the ways you practice visibility that make you feel safe grounded or joyful as a trans or gender diverse person i do feel safe and grounded when i'm on the radio and i'm talking like this and i can just talk into my little microphone and kind of you know feel confident in saying these are my pronouns this is my name like there's no one to respond negatively to that so i don't have to sort of work through those associations so it's kind of a safe way for me to do that um i also feel incredibly grounded when i'm with other queer people who just get me get my jokes um and i think for joyful joyful is just when i can be kind of on my own or with a couple close queer friends in my house like truly dress how I want, not worry about how I'm being perceived, or being sort of out 
somewhere alone in nature or walking down the street in just a great outfit and not feeling like hampered by social expectations like just feeling a step removed from it um because that's what kind of gets me down a lot is the way I am addressed or people sort of look at me with certain social expectations so I just really do kind of appreciate that um ability to switch that off if I'm just alone in nature um I can just kind of be how I want to be honestly I feel that the best way for me to practice visibility and joy ultimately because I think black queer trans joy is some of the most integral and beautiful things to exist um a special way for me to do that and I feel like a lot of other people I know are similar in that regard is actually to associate with one another and you know being around trans people is such a special thing in a way that there are none of those awkward stares there's none of those awkward questions there's just pure love joy and it's a really beautiful thing and while there you know aren't so many places that are exclusively or explicitly trans friendly and safe there are moments at queer venues and gay venues that we can find joy and love together um you know and of course there are different events as well that we are all just so special and celebrated and i think that autonomously curating these events is also part of creating that safety and that love and that joy together. What are ways you practice visibility that make you feel safe, grounded or joyful as a trans and gender diverse person? Um, this is like a bit of a harder question to answer um, given that every time I leave my house, I have to decide how much of a risk of violence do I wish to face on any given moment, you know? Um, it can be something small, like doing something with my outfit that makes me feel comfortable or holding myself in a certain way and taking up the space that I would usually eschew. Um, but usually the best way to answer that would be to say seeking out people that I feel safe and loved by um, and being able to celebrate each other's lives in that way. To the general community, I would prefer to not be seen, you know, because uh, when I am, I'm only something to be afraid of to fuck or fight. What are the ways you practice visibility that make you feel safe, grounded, or joyful as a trans, gender diverse person? One of the first few basic things that I, I, I do for myself for that is to use my preferred name and not be afraid to use that. Um, even in contexts like personal family and this and that, where 
they have known me by my dead name for basically since the day I was born. And at times it might lead to some like some awkwardness, even tension, and a bit of conflict, but at the end of the day, it's something where I don't I used to at times be a lot more willing to have family members freely use my dead name and I just don't say anything about it. Nowadays it's a different story. I try and correct them. I tell tell them the pronouns I like to use. And if they have an issue with that, then they should be taking a look at themselves and their values and seeing why they have an issue with that. Other ways I practice visibility include being a bit more out there with my outfits. Like mo- most of the time, most of the time since I've 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 come out, um, I've still had quite a limited wardrobe. Um, mainly because I live with a family where I don't feel the safest in consistently wearing clothes that go against the gender binary so I tend to keep a very gender neutral kind of wardrobe but more recently I've been trying to go a bit more out there of my outfits including wearing a sequin dress at a party that I was co-hosting and that was a that was a big moment um that in terms of just not only was able to be very visible but I was able to do that in a group of people who uh, made me feel quite safe, grounded, and joyful while doing that. Like, they're all complimenting me on my dress and how, how great it looked. And it was just a moment of, I can do this. I can keep expressing myself. And I have people that can make me feel safe and valid in doing that. And that's something that really does mean a lot to me. How does a day like Trans Day visibility make you feel? Quite mixed, I guess. I definitely really enjoy the uh, kind of intended purpose of it in making people feel euphoric and seen and um, understood. And uh, I think there's a lot of power in that. And, you know, the people that really emphasize that on this day um, and and try and bring joy to it. Uh, Yeah, I really appreciate. But, you know that comes with the um, practical element of visibility and that it isn't necessarily going to be safe. Um, So when I see these, um, you know, bigger companies, organizations, uh, figures, whatever, yeah, that aren't necessarily a part of the trans community specifically, it can sit a bit funny uh, because yeah if you're just highlighting a trans like trans identities and making them visible without any support beyond that uh it's not really going to change much in terms of people's attitudes it's just going to bring on more vitriol there's parts of trans day visibility that i find joy in but uh there's definitely parts as well that make me feel a bit uncomfortable for me, T-Dove is actually a really proud day. Um, I've been able to use it to come out to people, to tell them my pronouns, to um, 
you know, gather together my queer friends or housemates and have dinners together and celebrate our different forms of transness. Um, I think that it is a really lovely day to just celebrate ourselves. I really subscribe to the idea that we have to be visible for cis people. For those that have the safety, that's a great thing. Um, just to be visible in the world or to raise awareness um, of the stigma that trans people face. But I don't feel like the day has that obligation. I think it's mainly about being who you are together and for me because I realized I was trans um, while living with a couple of, of gender diverse housemates and reading Leslie Feinberg's Stone Butch Blues I actually had a really traumatizing time I had a, a very lonely experience realizing um, that I'm non-binary and I think that finding this day was just really good for me because all I knew was the pain and the bad mental health and the danger and trans day of remembrance which is obviously very important but it's it's a lot of pain to be remembering and so it's just good to have a day where there's a bit more joy and you can choose how you want to be visible that said I will add the caveat that obviously I am a white androgynous non-binary person I don't face the same levels of discrimination, I don't feel extreme dysphoria, so I don't need to protect myself from that on a daily basis, and I am not in an unsafe position. I am housed, I have a job, you know, I will say obviously visibility is a lot more complicated for other people. How does a day like Trans Day of Visibility make you feel? first thing that comes to mind is good. I'm glad that a day like Trans Day visibility, of Visibility exists and with every Trans Day of Visibility that has occurred since I became a lot more open about being trans and non-binary around about 2018, I will, I will say it's been very affirming, celebrating, but also advocating for the identity as well advocating for using the day as a way um, to advocate for more visibility to not be made invisible not to, to be seen as a valid thinking feeling human being it's something that really resonates with me and with the most recent trans visibility i it's been the one I've been the most involved in. Particularly at my university, I've been very much involved with the uh, with the Queer Political Action Collective that uh, has been, and, and the union at my university. And we, for, for that day, um, we've been using the social media as a way of like celebrating, but also advocating for more, more rights to be seen, to be visible, and to not be left on the sidelines or to not be seen as someone that shouldn't be existing. This most recent trans day visibility, I've also uh, celebrated uh, the first time I've ever really worn a dress in public. Uh, before that, uh, if I were to wear a dress, I would not step foot outside the door because I was that petrified by fear. Um, but 
No longer. How does a day like Trans Day of Visibility make you feel? Well, bluntly, I think it's dumb. Um, but I can also see the benefit in something like this. Um, people that are isolated, that don't see themselves in a wider culture, especially in pop culture, um, view themselves as wrong, uh, damaged and unwanted. So being able to see ourselves reflected in a wider cultural way is important, but visibility by itself, as I've said before, is, is a trap. It's, um, it's a threat. So I guess you could say that I mostly have negative feelings towards this day, um, but can also see some merit in it, but by itself it's not enough. While in many ways I think trans day of visibility is essential, it does also have that undertone, or maybe quite an explicit tone, that we are only there to be seen but not actually advocated for and our safety is not prioritized ultimately it reminds me of the concept of the recognize campaign um that was pretty notorious a few years back but i feel like now isn't as popularized um and you know there was this concept that First Nation peoples wanted to be recognised more than anything else, which I just think is nonsense. And while that being nonsense, it feels similar to the sentiment that Trans Day of Visibility has. While I know, again, for so many people, it is such an essential day and for, you know, it's a great way for spaces to very actively and loudly show their support, I think fundamentally if people cared who are, you know, non-gender uh, conforming and um, not trans, lol, so literally the cisgenders, um, if they did care so much about our existence, then trans women would feel safer in the streets and trans women of colour would not be targeted the way that they are and trans black women would not be murdered at the rate that they are. So while I feel overall it is essential and integral for trans visibility to exist, it is also deeply tokenistic. Given that trans women are most frequently the targets of violence and discrimination, what are you doing to reduce the fight against pervasiveness of trans misogyny? specifically both internalized and structural within your community and on a wider cultural level? That's a big question. Um, that work starts with unpacking the ways in which we've been taught to hate ourselves or taught to hate people who are like me. And that's not an easy thing from being the punchline of pop culture jokes of a man in a dress someone who invades the bathroom spaces and makes cis women unsafe, something to be feared and fought against. Without unpacking the ways in which we are afraid of trans women in particular and view them as predatory, we can't address 
the ways in which we project our fears and threats of violence onto people like that. So the way in which I do that within my community and within myself is by supporting people that are at the face of the majority of that violence. And so that means redistributing wealth to more marginalized members of our community, supporting prison abolition projects and helping address issues of violence when they occur in our communities. I think I would start this with saying that I know I could do more. I think direct action is one place where I have not been as present. Um, Obviously, protests have been difficult to form or attend because of COVID and I have sensory issues which has kind of kept me from them in the past. However, I do think I could manage to attend more things like this. Um, But change is not just uh, protesting. Obviously, that's a huge part and there are a lot of really well-equipped organisers in our community that do a really good job of that and I'm more happy to follow their lead. Um, In terms of more indirect action or more subtle action in my community and culturally, I try to disrupt people's um, ideas, you know, assumptions, biases around trans women. So, um, for instance, in this small town, there is one very visible trans woman, um, the town where I live, and she's dealt with a lot and she's had to be brave. um, And that obviously isn't fair that she's had to do that. And so I think... On that level, it's about normalising her existence to other people, interrupting them and correcting their pronouns, correcting their biases, telling them that it's inappropriate to deadname someone. And when around those trans people, just making sure they feel like they are supported by you and backing up your words with actions. Um, So, you know, trying to just make them happy and supported and let them you know feel what they need to feel um on an internalized level i think everyone always has work to do there we have grown up in prejudiced societies pretty much just (laughs) because that's what people like sometimes i don't know you know what i mean I think a big part of that is just sitting back, listening, trying to um, ensure that I know what issues trans women are facing, you know, in the contemporary moment, Uh, knowing how to respond to that when it might come up in conversation, knowing how to respond to that internally, working on things like defensiveness so you're not... um, You're not, you know, having defensiveness rear up when a trans woman um, tells you something or tells you you're not being a good ally or whatever that might be. Making sure you're just consuming um, stories about them that are by them, that are controlled by them. So um, things I would recommend is like following trans women activists on Instagram, such as Monroe Bergdorf or reading um, The Transgender Issue by Sean Fay or watching Disclosure produced 
and featuring many trans women. Um, so that's where I sit on that. I think we can all be doing more. We can all be asking ourselves regularly what we could be doing more of. Um, but that's a few, just a few things that I try to keep in mind when recognizing the issue that is trans misogyny. Given that trans women are most frequently the targets of violence and discrimination, what are you doing to reduce and fight against the pervasiveness of trans misogyny specifically, both internalized and structural within your community and on a wider cultural level? Another big question to unpack, but I, I will say as a, as a trans femme MV, it's, I do experience quite a lot of discrimination at times and at times situations where it would be unsafe for me to fully and freely express express myself um one case being the night i hosted really big fun arty event wore a dress for the first time at the end of all that I, while it was a very big milestone in terms of just being aware of dress in public, like, for the first time, I still felt the need to change out of that before heading home for the night because a feeling inside me was very much, like, I felt unsafe in walking home alone at night in a dress and makeup and that, so... And it's not the first time I felt that either. That has happened before. But it is something that as I go deep or go go more and more in my transition and as I find more and more courage to freely express myself in public, hopefully that fear will lessen a bit and hopefully that'll become safe for me to do so as well. So in light of that, I'm I am doing quite a bit of work, work on that personally, and at a more structural level, I am working with my university's Queer Political Action Collective to address these issues at the university level um, to ensure that uh, trans women, that trans femme NBs like myself, can really feel safe um, studying, can so that discrimination is minimized, that violence is minimized, and this includes a video that was recently um, made and released for Trans Day of Visibility that, that advocates for transphobia to stop happening in my universities, just to hop, stop happening in, in universities in general, um, and to make the like those learning environments a lot safer for trans women and for trans femme NBs like myself. I'm also advocating for change uh, within healthcare systems like Origins Queer Working Group where reforms are being made for a wide variety of areas in terms of pronouns and showing that uh, healthcare workers are a lot more proactive about using pronouns and establishing a more inclusive environment for trans and gender diverse young people 
and particularly trans women and trans femme MBs to as healthcare is a very 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 vulnerable and very transphobic area at times and I have personally experienced of having a very rough time in in terms of healthcare like hostels and all that so advocating for a much safer journey within that is another thing that I'm doing and um this also goes for creative arts and theatre um just ensuring that trans women and trans femme MBs can have more opportunities and feel more included and feel safe in uh, performing performing arts and in theatre. Given that trans women are most frequently the targets of violence and discrimination, what are you doing to reduce the fight against pervasiveness of trans misogyny, specifically both internalised and structural within your community and on a wider cultural level? Not enough is the short answer. Um, I'd like to think that like this show does some effort in you know countering general cultural ideas but uh it's a small time community radio show that uh doesn't even explore issues like this uh too deeply so trans misogyny is huge i mean misogyny is huge in this colony as is but then uh, when it comes down to people having such a little understanding of genuine trans identities and um, structurally there is you know not even acknowledgement of such identities then yeah that violence and discrimination is just going to continue i guess just uh braving the fuck up when it comes to seeing that kind of stuff in public and countering it um in a way that's you know going to make uh, more marginalized trans people still feel kind of safe but um, yeah and I guess that ties into a community level as well but really I think um, you know intersectional community work is the way to really go at countering it because um, you know if everyone's kind of working in their own way to um, bring a better life for themselves and their specific community without that kind of intersectional work then um the the general kind of issues that arise with living uh under colonization and patriarchy and supremacy um isn't going to be addressed within those communities and i guess that you know uh, tackling that comes in a variety of ways whether that's being just sometimes shutting up and letting people uh, who are more marginalized uh, you know address those issues as well if they have the means to do so and then just supporting that um, and then sometimes that comes in a lot more kind of boots on ground level of uh, mutual aid and community work but yeah so I guess it, it comes with understanding uh, all of the different levels of state violence that can exist that then you know, it sets a precedent for the more kind of cultural microaggressions and violence that we see probably more frequently uh, if you're like me and uh, recluse and, and still relatively privileged. So, you know, keeping an understanding of those intersections of uh, holds on supremacy and um, listening to people that uh, have more of an understanding of that and a means to fight it 
Why are you appealing to state and capital for protection and comfort when historically and materially they're the leaders of the most violent institutions that dominate our ability to exist? How does visibility possibly serve anything but the most privileged of our communities? Well, this is a big question to unpack. I do acknowledge state and capital done a lot of very BS things. My own university an institution built upon a lot of exploitation of marginalised communities is. It's very difficult to work with at times, I do acknowledge that, and at times when I don't have the capacity, I do have to step away from that, because it's just... I do acknowledge just how BS it is to have to re-traumatise myself at times, working to advocate uh like on, like working with uh, groups, with institutions who have in the past done very horrific things to not just trans and gender diverse community, but to the LGBTIQA plus community in general. I, I will say in response to this though, that it is for that very reason that we also need to keep fighting because only by uprooting these systems these systems that have been built on the act of marginalization and exploitation, trying to uproot that and get de destigmatized, getting rid of the transphobia, getting rid of the queerphobia, getting rid of just all the, the, the bigotry and discrimination, to getting rid of the ideals of like how only the most privileged can have the right to exist or have space. Yes, it is horrific to be having to work with these institutions that have in the past done these very bad things and still do these very bad things. But by not working with these institutions, we risk um, the institutions just, just running wild with their power and just continuing to dominate society, dominating the world, sending the world right through to 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 the gutter it's something that really can't be ignored and why we need to keep appealing to these bodies despite the, the fact that they're just the worst at times because if we just ignore them if we choose to just in a way that even just gives them the permission to just keep on screwing up the world and keep on dominating our ability to exist. And that's for visibility serving the most privileged of our communities. That is uh, somewhat true. Visibility currently is very ge like geared towards the most privileged, the most able-bodied, the most heteronormative cis white communities. But it's also very important for um, voices that are not normally heard to be heard and to be heard loudly. Why are you appealing to state and capital for protection and comfort when historically and materially they are the leaders of the most violent institutions that dominate our ability to exist? How does visibility possibly serve anything but the most privileged of our communities? It doesn't, as of right now. Um, uh, it, you know, being visible is a privilege. Um, it isn't safe for a lot of people right now. While Trans Day Visibility is something intended to address that and change that 
as long as it stays as a more kind of virtue signaling <laughs> day for larger organizations and people that could have some power to make some feasible change. Um, it's just going to stay just that, you know, something of virtue for the most privileged. And yeah, uh, you know, state and capital uh, won't protect the community. Uh, it's done the opposite for a long time. Okay, this question has been like the hardest one for me to answer. So this is take three, I think. Um, but it's why are you appealing to state and capital for protection and comfort when historically and materially they are the leaders of the most violent institutions that dominate our ability to exist? How does visibility possibly serve anything but the most privileged of our communities? So I agree with you. Um, visibility does serve the most privileged because they have the most safety and visibility. Um, and I do think we need to sort of tear down certain institutions. Um, I think we need to have, um, you know, communities that are led by Indigenous people, trans people, um, people of colour. I think that's really important. And... Yeah, deconstructing all of that is incredibly necessary. In terms of this relating to Trans Day of Visibility, I think it obviously does in um, the sense that we're talking about a privilege. Um, but I also want to sort of address uh, where Trans Day of Visibility comes from. It's a day created by a trans woman, Rachel Crandall. She's um, a woman, trans woman from Michigan in the United States and pretty much um, felt like Trans Day of Remembrance was the only day for trans people um, and that, you know, there should be a day to celebrate um, life and what's worth living and what's beautiful about being trans. Um, and so she created TDOV in 2009 and she actually addressed a few of these criticisms in an article on TDOV uh, last year uh, from Them News, and I just wanted to quote that rather than giving my opinion on something that, you know, is inherently coming from a place of privilege, I just wanted to sort of explore her feelings about it 12 years on. So she says... Since I made Visibility Day, many transgender people have pointed out that visibility can be a double-edged sword. I agree with them, and I'm sad about that. Visibility is a double-edged sword. Any kind of visibility can bring attacks. Honestly, if I had to do it again, knowing what I know now, I'm not 100% convinced I would create the International Transgender Day of Visibility. I read an article once by a prominent activist who said that it's not transgender people who need to be visible right now, so much as our allies. I really agree with that, end quote. So I think that what I would say there is obviously it is a, you know, she has acknowledged it's a day for privileged people. Um, but I think also in remembering that the day was created for trans people to be proud of themselves. And um, I think you can sort of adopt that in your own way. It's not just a blanket. Everyone has to be incredibly visible and incredibly out there um, and disclose to everybody around them that they're trans. That's not the idea, I don't think. It was more about 
raising awareness of the struggles trans people face and um, giving them a space to just be joyful about their identity. It's not a day that is trying to appeal to institutions inherently. It's not um, asking institutions for validity. What it is asking is for communities to consider trans people and to value and love them. So in that sense, I don't think there's anything wrong with the day, but we all have to be aware of the nuances of what it means to be visible, of course, and Rachel has acknowledged that. She goes on in the article to say, The other side of the double-edged sword is the fact that hundreds of people have told me that Visibility Day is the most important day for them all year. People tell me that by creating this, I have saved their lives. In fact, I've heard that a number of times. It really is a mixed bag. I do still see the worth in the day. So I agree with that. It hasn't saved my life, but it is one of the few days in the year where I feel really proud to be trans. Um, I come from a place of privilege, so I obviously benefit from that side of things. Um, And unfortunately, some people can't. And I, you know, wish it weren't that way. I think, though, rather than saying we should scrap the day because it only appeals to institutions, hello, you know, rainbow washing or pink washing, um, we should just engage with the discourse. We should continue talking about what makes it a privilege to be visible and we should continue to encourage safety and protection and love for trans people in our communities um, and really call on allies to be the visible ones, to be the barrier between the systemic discrimination and the trans people in their lives or in their communities. So that really kind of um, captures that for me. I do think that we should see it as a day where we can choose, you know, there's hopefully a little even incremental choice in every trans person's life and we can choose to just celebrate small things, small visible things or non, non-visible things um, and we can kind of work towards a world, I think, where visibility then can be celebrated by all. Why are you appealing to state and capital for protection and comfort when historically and materially they are the leaders of the most violent institutions that dominate our ability to exist? How does visibility possibly serve anything but the most privileged of our communities? This is a really good question. I wonder who posed that. Personally, I rarely ever. Sometimes there's some kind of value in reform, but it's usually a stepping stone towards uh, liberty. It's not a means and end to itself. It's usually the most privileged of our community who seek these kinds of reform because it allows them to assimilate into a cis-heteronormative structure of power or violence. The more of us that are complicit and willing to engage in this system, the less safe those of us who won't or simply can't participate in these structures that only benefit mostly white mostly cis-passing and privileged and comfortable people. And I have more in common with working-class marginalised people than I do with a non-binary CEO or a trans woman that's a prison guard. ACAB, fuck the state.